Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. The podcast ain't no, it's the Politics Show podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to have to be a long (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for applauding my entrance. Like, well, you made us do it. So. <laughs> Guys. You don't show me enough respect. Ava wanted me to do it. So I did. That's good. For the listeners, Ollie walked onto set there from off. I think, they could, I think you'd be able to tell that from the audio, wouldn't you? Yeah. It Sounds was... like it's across the room. Yeah. If they could hear it at all. It's the critical we thing. We should have thought about that, shouldn't we? Probably. Technically, it's a podcast first. It was like the Graham Norton walk-on. Exactly like the Graham Norton Exactly like the Graham Norton walk-on. Yeah. You should have more. You should have like a monologue. You stand, you stand just kind of there. Yeah. Riff about the week's news. There's on with the show. But instead of like Jennifer Lawrence and Barry Keoghan, it's me and Ed. Yeah. We, we, you know, there's always the budget third guest. You have two extra budget, like sixth guests. Hmm. That's how far along the couch we would be. Yeah. We're not even in the room. <laughs> no, we're actually audience members <laughs> yeah. Rather, yeah. rather than guests. Mm-hmm. Barry Kay's been looking well, hasn't he? Yes. Gone yeah. right off him. Why? What, you saw his dick? No. What? It's in Saltburn. Yeah, no, oh, right, the yeah. shaft is in Saltburn, no? Um, sorry, I completely misunderstood the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has a 15-month baby and an ex-girlfriend that he's not with and he hasn't been with her while the baby was fresh. And I, that has really turned me off of him. That, to me, feels like an abdication of responsibility. <sighs> okay. What? Should he be hanging around with his ex-girlfriend? Presumably she doesn't want him. Well, she was his girlfriend. He was... She was his girlfriend at the time. They split up. Right. Um, What are we angry at him for? Breaking up with his girlfriend? I'm angry at him. No, no, no. I think that um, that's... Okay, if it was flipped on the other side, say Barry Kogan was like, look, it's just me and the 15-month baby at the moment because Mm -hmm. my girlfriend left me. Mm -hmm. We'd all go... The mother left. The mother left the baby. What do you mean? Mm. Like, you should be with the baby. And so flipping that, it's, wait, 
You left the baby. Why? Why? But then the baby... Surely there is some understanding that people are able to break up and re co-parent a baby. And it's better for the baby to not be in like, if, if the relationship came to an end, it's going to come to an end for a reason. And presumably they're better off apart They were on the red carpet fine before. And he's now pictured with Sabrina Carpenter. It was all over Demois this weekend, I saw. Demois, the famously... I um, don't know any mother in my life, let me say in my life, who would abandon or not be around daily, their 15-month baby, and then be dating someone new. If that was happening to a woman in your life, would you not want to beat the shit out of them and go go back there and look after baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if they've broken up, he can't, he can't hang around with her looking after the baby, can he? They've got to share it. And in fact, actually, that fresh, because I'd say 15 months is still pretty fresh, it's, got, it's going to be around the mother a lot anyway, isn't it? Because of, well, we don't know. That's not, that's not a good answer, I have to say. Why? Because I think that if you've just given birth, that's yep. the worst version of yourself that you'll ever be. That's like you're pumped full of hormones. You're extremely tired. You're having to feed something else. Mm. I think that any man who is not there, present, and is off making a film, I think that's questionable. What if she doesn't want him there because they've broken up? Well, I haven't heard from her. So- <laughs> <laughs> we were wondering yeah. if this is a very well-sourced argument <laughs> if you if you are Barry Keoghan's ex-girlfriend mm. and you're listening to this could you please get in touch I'm sure and she tell is. me I'm sure if she you're will totally really big with new mothers newly single mothers out, is our main demographic yeah if you kicked him out let me know uh-huh. and I'll take it all back and it's fine but I just think it's odd if it was if it was round the other way we would say that is an odd thing to do okay Ava Santina, hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> how are Welcome you? Welcome to the Barry Gilgan podcast. Hi. Is that how you say his name? No, I've really never, right. I've never said, I've always called him Barry K. He's, um... For fear. Yeah, last week he said he wanted to be Barry, he's Barry Kyogen. Kyogen, that's how you say it? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. That's, I'll greet him as such when I see him next. A lot of And Irish, ask him about his... But a lot of Irish people on, on Instagram were like, I think that that's how you say it. I think he's saying his own name wrong. <laughs> there are divided people. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would know how to say their own name? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely not the person themselves. <laughs> Someone said that that name had been like made Protestant. Like Anglified? Yeah. It would have more vowels. That's a very controversial thing you just said there. What, Anglified? <laughs> Can't be Irish if you're a Protestant. <laughs> no, but that's why it would be... But as in, the, in but Ireland, yeah. they made everything... When they tried to Protestantize it, they made the anglicised all the names. Mm. So like people who were called Sean were called John. And it's a big part of... <laughs> should we start calling him John? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should but definitely Hickey, do that. A, well, it's not just a Sean Hickey podcast <laughs> that we're talking about. <laughs> I should have asked Sean how you say Barry Kay's name. He'd have a few, I'm sure. We were yeah. discussing it last week. You were actually at the desk, but you were doing your headphones on thing and not talking to us. Working. <laughs> no, not something that we know much about. We were on the other side of the desk like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's left his wife. <laughs> I'm glad I got, to, I'm glad Sean's not here today because he'd be sitting over there going, I had to fucking hear this last week <laughs> and now I'm hearing it again. This is the second time you've, you've done this. It's actually the third oh, okay. because the second time I did it was actually at my best friend's engagement party mm. on Saturday. We all agreed. <laughs> was... And this is another thing. <laughs> Barry Kilgan. <laughs> yeah. 
Ed Campbell. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I've got very few opinions about Barry and his personal life. Just so but what, what are the few ones that you do have? Oh, okay. so, I mean, zero. Zero is what, is what I meant by very few. Mm. That is the fewest number, it must be said. But no, I think um, I, I just respect him as an actor. Would we say that he was looking cunty recently? <laughs> yes. Someone made the point. We're talk- if, see if you don't know what we're talking about. This is absolute yeah, it's appalling, torture it's to listen appalling to. Listen, yeah. uh, I'm going to try this new politics podcast. <laughs> Who are these people? What Why is that guy about? not stood next to a microphone? <laughs> Why are they talking about Barry Kay's love life? Was it Golden Globes who was wearing that horrible red outfit? Horrible certainly a word, isn't it? He looked ridiculous. He did. I thought he looked quite cool. I don't know how right to apply works with showbiz, but like, should we say that like Barry says that they're like totally fine and he sees the baby? And, like, <laughs> Barry says his outfit was nice. That's the right of the reply. If that's the right to reply, I mean, he has said, yeah, he sees the baby and he's very happy. Hmm. But yeah, I, I like the white outfit was a bit wild, wasn't it? I don't remember white it, tux. It was white, no sleeved tux with um, matching trousers. His fake tan appears to be increasing in intensity the more famous he gets. Yeah. Which would do. Do you think yours will? Yeah, they get more famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you not been able to notice? Has uh, <laughs> the podcast been running? Mm-hmm. There's a picture a that we white. took when we first were taking photos for this podcast, which is, it was like at the end of summer, wasn't it? And it was like, mm, or it was, around, no, it was, it was around summer. Yeah. There, was, there had been some sun. And you three looked like fucking milk bottles. Yeah. And I then, therefore, look like I've been to the sun or oh, been to the bathroom. That's what your holiday was. That's what your annual leave was, just to the sun. Yeah. Being toasted by it. With a spot of colour. You look hench in those photos. Yeah. He is. He is. A massive. I also think the perspective, on the way this table works, because it's like curved, the perspective is, I look enormous. Like, as in, like, I look physically. Bro, really, don't sit down yourself. I'm You're being, swole. I, no, I'm not. You I'm, are jacked, bro. That's not what I was saying. As in, I look, I look like I'm a bigger person than you are. You're like a good bit taller than me because of perspective. <laughs> Fuck off, Ava. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, no, Ava, don't interrupt Ed when he's talking about this. It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> but, as in, people would be confused. I what think. were you saying about Ollie? They're taller than me, but I think perspective wise. And um, one not. more time, just so we can get a nice clean edit on that. Yeah, he's got a tiny dick. <laughs> Don't ask how I know that. <laughs> never ask a woman. Never ask a woman her age. Or Ed Campbell how he knows how big all his dick is. It's when we went to Scotland and shared a hotel room for three days. Yeah, I'll be that. To be fair. Did you share a hotel room in Scotland? Oh yeah, yeah it was a lot. We never told the story about when you got locked in. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> Ava and I were in France, in Dunkirk, and we arrived quite late at this hotel, and the man at the front desk had spoke such little English, and somehow, somehow my, it was like a tiny like capsule room, it was like a single room, and my door just locked, I couldn't open it from the inside, and Ava had to go and get the French man. No, but can I just explain that from this closed door I could just hear, Ava, <laughs> Ava, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Oh, what, you thought he was like, trying to talk to you after you've both been like, night, and he's like knocking on the wall. <laughs> Ava, Ava. He's like, can you go and get the receptionist? And I go and I'm like, I, I don't speak any French. I don't even do like, like, 
petit pois. Well, I've done it now. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, would like, have, that would have confused the situation <laughs> further. So You're asking for peas. I'm at the front desk and I'm like to this guy like... <laughs> <laughs> A la chambre. <laughs> I actually am. <laughs> Come to my room. Come to my room. <laughs> I lead him. I stand him outside Ed's room. <laughs> and then I'm like, Ed, <laughs> tell him. <laughs> it's a closed door. Oh, c'est cassé. <laughs> you heard a shock of something. Oh! <laughs> you did not expect anyone to be in the room. Because <laughs> I'd led him to the door. And then Ed suddenly he's like in French telling him like I'm stuck in the room. And this guy's like, oh where's that coming from? And I'm like, he's in there. And I eventually got free. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, would be here today. Glad to have you with us. Yeah. This is, this is. High-level discourse right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't understand. It was so funny. Yeah, it was ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. We haven't really been away together since, have we? You know. Since we shared that hotel room. It's like the fishing trip in Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> 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 it was so traumatic. They refused it. No, I don't think we have, actually. That was quite nice. We were in Borough Head, weren't we? Was that the tiny wee place? Mm. Yes. No, I don't think we have. But you don't, you're not a sender anymore. Well, Ed, until last week. You're a south ender. I'm now a south ender, yeah. That Absolutely. was so rogue, you just you waking up one morning, mm. coming in here and deciding you were going to south end to film a video. <coughs> I know. I don't know what came over me. Fancy doing some work. Um, For your annual video. Well, it's going to be more than that, I think. I think, I think actually, um, Laura and I are going to put, put you two amateurs to shame this year, I think. There's going to be a lot of South End action going on. <laughs> Just South End. Gonna, we are going to cover South End <laughs> to an inch of its life. Become a local news <laughs> We are now South End Joe. <laughs> I think it's outrageous that when you make a video, you get Laura, because Laura is an exceptionally good producer. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And so... I, I just think that's... that's Look, we might there. be able to arrange a loan, loan, loan agreement. Mm. It's there. Or we could all get a Laura. The thing is... Laura doesn't want to work with either of you guys. I no, think I think that might be true. She likes she likes working with us more. She just doesn't get to. She's off shot. You can't see it. She's nodding her head vigorously <laughs> because you're putting a gun out. <laughs> because the you're hammer. her boss. <laughs> there is actually a hammer on yeah. the desk. There is, yeah. It's the Houthi hammer. <laughs> ah, is it? They give it to you. <laughs> That's what you were on your, to on your mission of friendship. Yeah. Um, it's a, Sorry. Uh, the London Stock Exchange. That's what you work on. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, like, completely misunderstood the assignment. He thought that they were going to smash up, like, there was, like, one computer that is the London Stock Exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Guys, you've overcomplicated this massively. <laughs> Don't worry. Just log out. <laughs> <laughs> we can just turn it off. <laughs> Look. Um, off the internet. Yeah, the Daily Express have, d have done Palestine action. They've done them. Got them. Done and real bad. Yeah. They were going to uh, disrupt the London Stock Exchange by the looks of things. Six people have been arrested. That is a bloody extraordinary bit of activism, I have to mm. say. That is... That's direct action. That is direct. Live and direct. That Absolutely. is full send. Yeah. It's like Ollie going to Southend, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think would have had more impact to your video on <laughs> Southend? <laughs> or Palestine Action taking it Stock Exchange? Do you think they would have completed exchange? it if Laura had produced it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
More rigorous background checks for their activists. I can't believe that they didn't sniff out that he was an express journalist. Yeah, I don't know. To what extent are we going to talk about this? Because knowing the guy, he, it's not the first time he's infiltrated a no, group it's not, and done, is it? done this. He, he's done this multiple times. <laughs> mm. And also, they'll be very, they'll be linked people. There's, they're kind of a bit, there's Venn diagrams there. Can you imagine sticking his byline into like Google and seeing a photo of him and being like, fuck, he's done it again. He's <laughs> <laughs> wearing a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> it was a prosthetic nose. He told us it was a joke. <laughs> he turned over in like, Groch, is a Groucho Marx mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite, my least favorite paper. The Daily Express. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you my secrets. <laughs> Wasn't there um, some case of he infiltrated like a... Um, XR. Yeah, and then it turned out that like half of the people at the meeting were journalists or something. Ooh. Ah, oh, of it's course. It's the mailbag hour. Please, no, please, please, Laura. Yeah, please. Thank you. Cheers. It's the anthrax. I mean... If that's what it was, and it got me live on camera, would you publish the video? Yeah. <coughs> would you want us to? He died doing what he loved. Killers too. Imbibing anthrax. Um, th those things, thing. whenever you rip them, don't you think they've always got like quite a toxic dust? Yeah, they're like insulation. On this is very peculiar. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Oh my <laughs> god! There's the anthrax. That's awful. A couple of dusty. I'm boots. sure that cannot be good for you. What have we got? It's The Trading Game by Gary Stevenson. You've already got one of them. We, we did. We, we received <laughs> one earlier. So we've got three copies now. Perfect. One each. Thanks. Should we do a victory now? Uh, the PR said to me, it is the best book ever. <laughs> That's a good bit of PR. All caps. It's the best book of all time. Apparently <laughs> so. This is going to be... The thing is, she's, she's PR'd other books for me and she hasn't described them as such, so I had well, to ask, ask the question. <coughs> yeah. I wonder if the, cam, the cams are picking up the particles that are hanging yeah, in the probably. air right now around us. Yeah. If you, if you describe something as the best book ever, you have to have real courage in your conviction. Otherwise, yeah, well, you just work in PR. <laughs> otherwise, your reputation in PR is going to go down the toilet. What was not the best book ever? Well, then trust us not to write a scathing review of it. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Not another one? It's the Politics Show podcast. Ed, you've been interviewing people, haven't you? You've, 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 you did John Ronson last week. I did do John Ronson last week. How is he? He was good. It was good for him. Yeah. He was excited about the new series of his podcast where he explores the culture wars. Mm. Yeah, I think it was good. He's, um, the first series explored the origin of culture war myths like, or not necessarily the myths, culture war areas like abortion and how that gone, how that went from... He explores how one seemingly small action has massive effects, like a kind of ripple effect. Would you call it the butterfly effect? I would call it the butterfly effect. That's mm. a different podcast. Mm. What do you mean, like, an abortion means that, like, a child, what? Like, what do you mean, a child, <laughs> <I> mean, what? <laughs> Are you just learning about abortion now? Yeah, that's quite important. <laughs> that child could have lived an entire life! <laughs> well, she not the possibilities were endless! I, I take that back because they're not a child, are they? They're just a... That fetus could have turned into born. a child. Yeah. I think that's a matter of contention, isn't it? Yeah, but that's like an egg could be a chicken. But it's not, it's an egg. Yeah. <laughs> you, should try, you should try that one on them. <laughs> <laughs> See this? <laughs> Let's go a chicken. I did actually write that, you know. I actually, I specifically remember in my um, RS lesson in year nine, mm. when I was at Catholic school, that I wrote in my end of year exams about eggs being like the same concept as an abortion. And you wouldn't eat a fetus. Huh? You wouldn't eat a fetus. Don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> I think the argument was and we eat eggs all the time. <laughs> Duh. Uh, so I bet that fetus is delicious. Yeah. That was, um, that was people true. do eat the placenta, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, but I think that that's like the mother. I, I don't think that's like a... It's, it's not a delicacy. Oh, should I stop? Huh? <laughs> Eating placentas. Yeah. What's, yeah, the, what's yeah. that thing in France where they're like... You have to cover your head to eat it. It's like the whole tiny bird. Thing. Well, because you don't want anyone to see you do it. It's something to do with like it's such a sinful act. God can't see you eating this meal. That's what Ollie does when he's eating a placenta. What is it like taking market. a woman home? Like what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard. It. Have you not? No. I think you well into it. It's like it's, I'm not. I want to know more. It sounds right up my street. I think it's like it's a tiny. I'm going to I'm going to get this so wrong, but from my understanding and impeccable recollection. It's a tiny bird, and it's quite <clears throat> either really rare or really precious or something, and it's kind of sinful to eat it, but it's also delicious and a delicacy. I so know you, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so I they, do know. They eat this tiny like songbird whole. Yeah, and because God would hate that, they cover their heads with a blanket or like a tablecloth. I didn't know about them being covered, but I do know about this bird. Mm -hmm. And so I've no, I know someone's gone and eaten that bird. You know somebody's done it? Yes. What the hell? I'm going to fucking shock you. <laughs> what? Why? Well, it was my ex-boyfriend, wasn't it? Obviously, because he used to... <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Would you eat the... Would you eat the... Because he used bird? to eat birds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Would you eat the sinful bird? How, how good does it taste? I can't... Most, I can't imagine it'd be that... I can't imagine eating a whole bird in like one... Is it plucked? I'd imagine the feathers so. must be a nightmare. No, uh, there's also really, so many comments like this is actually what it is. Yeah, I think that's it as well. Yeah, that's why they they do it under a blanket. Actually, so might, actually see might be, they're doing it. it. Might be to protect your identity. <laughs> to, it, it's to have like plausible deniability about whether or not. <laughs> Wasn't me, Calvin. Have you seen that big tuna that's been bought by a restaurant in Manchester? Fucking mental. Was that yeah. your Instagram story? Yeah, yeah, you got me. 
Ollie posted a big fish on his Instagram story to bait me into replying. Fish, and it did. Let me fish, tell you, it worked. A fish pick with you is kind of like how you used to do that. Like, <laughs> you know. And then you punch them. Do you think we should talk about... Um, we, well, we started talking about Ed oh, John Ronson yeah. interview, didn't we? But we got distracted yeah, with sorry about eating the, the forbidden bird. Just finally, was, sorry, I, just finally, before we move on from French cuisine. Are you familiar with Andouillette? No. It's like, um, I don't know how, it's, it's like arsehole sausage. It is a sausage made out of the colon of a pig. Right. And it tastes like an arsehole. You like it? That was horrendous. Oh, you ate it? I was out out for uh, lunch with my wife and she ordered it and she was making like a big fucking song and dance about it. And I was like, oh, shut up. How bad can it be? And I like cut off half of it and put it in my mouth and was like... Does it not just taste like a sausage? So, no, 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 no. Oh, you really? If you didn't taste like a sausage. No, that's exactly what I thought. And I thought, grow up, you big baby. Grow up, you big chicken egg. Grow up. And it's it tastes and smells of arse, but it doesn't have the texture of a regular sausage. Oh, I of an arsehole. <laughs> Very different. So, of you're like me, you can really take it. Really it's literally it. like the small intestine. Maybe right. it hadn't been douched. <laughs> it has the texture of if you were eating like 20 elastic bands. It's like gelatinous and stringy Ugh. and rubbery. And if you look at it as well, like in the in, inside of the sausage, it's just loads of like little crinkly white bits. Oh, it's like a ring piece. Stop it. Yeah. It, no disrespect. Mm, please. Why did she order it? Because on the English version of the menu, it just said sausage, <laughs> <laughs> which is disingenuous. If we know one thing about your, your wife, she loves scratching arse. So that is- <laughs> It's a great drag to a bull. I don't know how you're going to explain <laughs> that. I'm going to have to defend her honor. <laughs> She's like, there was a hammer in front of you. Why are you doing anything? Is it the ending to why? Were you, were no, you in and France? I, I didn't, yeah, we were in France. And I don't know why we... Because on the French version of the menu, it said Andouillette. Whereas obviously it should have said saucisson. <laughs> if, it was a, if it was a regular sausage. What was it? What was our sausage? Andouillette. Andouillette. Pig bum sausage. Yeah. No, it's bad. Anyone who's had it will know exactly what I'm talking about. Imagine this. Imagine the sheer stress a pig colon has to go through. Imagine like yeah, it's getting, shit. it's getting through some work. Like that is an absolute insane amount of work for that. So yeah, I, I've, it was sort of like no amount of cleaning would make me feel that that was all right to eat. Mm. Like yeah, like I wouldn't do it by choice. But apparently, it's now basically like the, the reserve of like weird fifty-year-old French blokes. They're like the only people who order and your it now. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> Was the waitress like? Were they not like? No, they were like, oh, are we? <laughs> a chef, but she wants it. <laughs> she wants the pig ass. <laughs> she wants what? <laughs> the pig ass. We haven't made that news. <laughs> we just had these pig arses rotting. Oh, Pierre, she wants that dumper truck. <laughs> it is not that time to douche. <laughs> That's how they speak. They fell for it. Yeah, no, I think to you, they're like, oh, wait, it's going to be on sale. Do you think they were trolling the then English they, people by Yeah, and then they sausage. get back to the kitchen, they're like, those fucking English guys again, they <laughs> fell for the sausage menu, Watching fucking it. morons. Speaking over the, the kitchen window. 
Yeah, they couldn't understand why like most of it was left on the plate. <laughs> anyway. That's a shame. They probably thought you were a real man when they saw you lean over and take half the colon. At like, you know. Yeah. I was nearly sick. That's insane. really bad. Okay. I, would, I would encourage you to just order it like as an extra dish mm. and cut off a tiny piece and just so you... Because it is one of the worst things I have ever eaten. Genuinely. That's so funny. You lost... I wouldn't mind like... What did it come with? The taste of it. But the, <laughs> like a fucking side salad. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no potato. Uh, I think there was some mash, yeah. Bum salad and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pig's cock and balls were also on the plate. <laughs> It's actually quite cut behaviour to, to eat that and to be presented that and eat it. <laughs> yeah, we can serve them a fucking. We should have the bum. <laughs> the hit. <laughs> of all this, uh, they would do whatever we fucking said. Similarly, eating things you shouldn't. I was once in an Italian restaurant uh, in Italy and they did like some mozzarella on lemon, you know, like the leaves of a lemon tree. Mm. The mozzarella was on top of that. Mm. And I think the intention was that the mozzarella would be infused with the flavour of the lemon. <laughs> you ate I it? just picked up the leaf and ate it. <laughs> and the waiter came over and was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I'm there like, like a fucking diplodocus or something, <laughs> like munching through a fucking branch. <laughs> oh, it actually tastes quite nice. And he's like... <laughs> oh, you're not backing down. Yeah. Eating more lemon leaves. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> Yeah. It's not like the bum that you That's very like a pretty woman moment for you, isn't it? You know, when she goes to the restaurant, yeah. she doesn't know what what knife and fork to use. That was you, but with the, the lemon leaf. Mm. Exactly. Uh, should we, <laughs> do we return to John Ronson? <laughs> if we can. Do we get back to John Ronson from this? Speaking of scranning arse. <laughs> I got on famously with Mr. Ronson. <laughs> if you want to see some bum looking, watch that interview. <laughs> um... No, talk about it in emotional terms, Ed. Talk about a, what it was like to interview Mr. Ronson, because you like him. That's good. Yeah, no, I really, I, I'm a big fan of John Ronson, and I enjoyed discussing Favourite book? His craft. Um, so you've been publicly shamed, mm -hmm. I think. I'm also one of his big fans of his podcast, Things Fell Apart, which is what he, we were discussing about the culture wars, I think is pretty exceptional. I liked season one of Butterfly Effect. I didn't. I mm. thought season two wasn't as good. Was that the last season, last days of August? Yes. Yes, so that was where he explored the impact of internet porn and the advent of Pornhub. Mm. I think it's quite incredible. It's On the death of the porn star August Ames. Yes. Yeah. I, think, I think it's really interesting what he does, how he goes back to, he finds the, the original sin almost of the culture war and sees how that spreads through and how that pervades um, mainstream culture and politics and how it informs society at the moment. I think, I think it's brilliant, to be honest with you. I think that's my review. And ladies and gentlemen, part. you can uh, watch half an hour of that level of challenge being expressed to John Ronson <laughs> if you watch Ed Campbell's interview with him. <laughs> it was garbage, man. The, um, culture, the, the, the Eve, Adam and Eve apple scene, the original scene, sin scene, now would be like Beverly Turner... <laughs> the coast guy and Ivan Mectin <laughs> injecting it live on air no nah, yeah. that's like full Bev Turner and Neil Oliver are like Sodom and Gomorrah it's like man has fallen it's long, it's long gone the original sin is like fucking must be like evangelicals or something in like the 50s I wonder what it would be for Miriam Cates what is the original cultural sin where does he go back to so the, uh, one of the most interesting ones I think it's in the first series as he talks so he talks about abortion and how that became a cause of the evangelical right before that it was actually like it was, it was between progressives and Catholics in America it wasn't really that was the only kind of 
issue there was with it and it wasn't really it wasn't as inflammatory or an emotive an issue as it is now and bizarrely it came about it, it took off because i think it was a swiss filmmaker who was 19 wanted to be, he wanted to be a filmmaker he wanted to work in hollywood and he made a really emotive anti-abortion film because he had just had a baby at quite a young age and he was like i don't want anyone to be deprived of the joy of having a child so made this insane film where it's got like they went to like the i think it's the dead sea and they had like put lots of baby dolls covered in fake blood on it oh all this God. like quite abstract imagery and he, they toured it around evangelical churches and that's how it became like a, a key component of the right in america it was oh, just because some I think his name is frank schaefer frank schaefer wanted to be wanted to be a hollywood director and it's now they've got abortion bans in however many states in the u.s which is quite incredible but this one is about um the new series is about the culture wars in lockdown and how during a six-week period of lockdown everyone's kind of absolutely lost their minds whether it was anti-vax stuff or um blm stuff all that exploded within the same six-week period yeah people really lost their mind over the mm -hmm. blm stuff that's for sure I had been working the whole time, so I was still quite normal. I'd been leaving the house to work. <laughs> and I do remember covering the BLM protest, and I thought, you, we shouldn't keep people in their houses. This is testament to that. It was actually a really interesting um, sort of by, byproduct. I think I was, I was interviewing Afua Hirsch at the time about it and saying, because don't get me wrong, clearly it's a horrific crime. I'm not minimizing it in any way. It's an injustice. But as regular listeners of the podcast will know, as anyone who pays any attention to the news, news agenda will know, George Floyd was not the first unarmed black man to be mm -hmm. killed by a police officer, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Afua was kind of saying that you have, to th you have to understand it in the context of lockdown, right? That for, whereas for certain, certain people in um, the black community, it can feel like they were surrounded by this police violence and like the injustice of it and, and the, um, how obvious the injustice of it was but that it took that moment where everyone was on their phone, everyone was paying more attention to the news agenda than they ever really do because, because it related to their direct circumstance in relation to what was happening to coronavirus, but also because they were so plugged in, into media at that moment in time that for the first time, for a lot of people, it was the first time they'd actually gone, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, it was the first time they'd had real direct exposure to that kind of police mm. violence. And as a result, it was uh, the fact that it happened during lockdown was was central to the sort of um, the response to it and the scale of the response to it. Yeah, because if because also though, cause you were doing nothing else, so if, if any if anything, you could ruminate on that, and there was also sort of a kind of social pressure to to engage with it as well. There was, it was the most there was a, a ton of social pressure online, and probably from your peers as well. That's a really interesting point because everyone knew it. that everyone else was doing fucking nothing. Yeah, you know that everyone is sat at home, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, if well, oh, you, you just be sat there watching Bridgerton again, or you oh. could put a black square on Instagram. Yeah, why haven't you done it? Yeah, and it was like if people people were calling out other people for not posting, for not engaging with it, which because I, I think Instagram just for ages was just like read these if you want to be better educated about police violence about like the prison industrial system, things like that. These are the thing, resources I found. And people were educating educating each other or encouraging, encouraging people to engage with it. The worst form of activism. When someone puts up on their story like a, like a simple politics breakdown, 
of like <laughs> how, how to how to stop police violence. Mm. Shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you talk to me until you've tried to shut down the London Stock Exchange. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> All right? Uh, you are lightweight. Yeah. Uh, It'll be things like number one. <clears throat> if you see what you believe to be unlawful arrest, film it, intervene. Say you should be doing that. Why are you telling people to do that? I don't know. <laughs> also, in my discussion with John, uh, we spoke about the difference between the left and right attitudes towards the culture war. Mm. There's a clip, if we want to include that. Go on. Should we roll the clip? Please. Just fucking do it. Roll it. I think that speaks to point maybe or observation about the left in that I think the left are very quick to blame the right for the culture wars and don't, aren't are quite rubbish at recognizing their own complicity as mm. in there wasn't like there was people on the left looked to the M Michigan Wolverines and just well they are a white militia mm. so they must also therefore be um white supremacists I think it's a lack of do you think there's a lack of nuance or lack of perspective on maybe both sides and it's easy to blame one over the it's easier to blame than to admit complicity isn't it yes absolutely um and actually one of the things i think the series that the second series does is look at the kind of different ways that the left and, and right um in, in terms of untruths uh another sort of talk before about how one thing that unites all of these stories that they all blew up within days of each other <laughs> another thing that unites the stories is that they're all about untruths and their consequences and the untruths that come from the right seem to be you know these big baroque conspiratorial lies like as we're speaking today it's the day after the jeffrey epstein um papers have been released and twitter uh i just can't bring myself to say x Want, no, I think it's very sensible. Yeah, in the same way that I don't want to go into a Starbucks and ask for a vente. <laughs> just, you know, just because you come up with a word doesn't mean I'm forced to use it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Twitter's full of, you know, fake stuff. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, and, and it's all fake. So that's the right. It's just these big baroque balls out lies. <laughs> on the left, it's, you know, it's more subtle sometimes. It's sort of ideological untruths where, where um, you know, one of the things I look at in the series, and I've just noticed it happening more and more, is, you know, young journalists are coming in uh, and they've been trained to be more activist than, than evidence-based. Mm. And obviously often activist journalism has been great uh, and is important and is a kind of vital part of the tapestry of journalism. And I can come up with a million, you know, excellent things that activist journalism has done. But if it becomes, you know, too much of the sort of default, it, it has negative consequences. And, and one of them is that, you know, if you're desperate to tell a story where, you know, a particular type of person is the hero, then you start to filter out. It's like confirmation bias. You filter out the stuff that contradicts your story. Uh, so there's a sort of magical thinking element to left-wing ideological journalism, which in its way is, you know, is is just as problematic as the as the great big lies. I think, particularly on 
the left, people talk about the culture wars and people talk about it as a right wing thing. People talk about we are engaging with this because the right are attacking these things and culture wars are in of themselves a right wing, <clears throat> are in of themselves a right wing tactic to divide and alienate. But I, what I think is interesting is there is, I think, I think it depends on what, on what side you're sympathetic to, isn't it? If you are pro, for example, diversity, equality and inclusion, that's become the buzzword in the past week. That's a new, it's probably a new culture war front, isn't it? Massively. You've noticed that. DEI yeah. cropping up everywhere. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, so that, but as in, so people on the left are probably quite sympathetic to the existence of the role DEI officer within like whatever, city, whatever council. But that's, that role's very existence is actually, that's a cultural thing in of itself because the left has successfully campaigned to bring awareness to the lack of diversity in race or background or gender in various industries. And I think there needs to be some recognition that you, the left can be as underhand. Even, with, even if you agree with the outcome or the aim, you can recognise the tactics that people are using. I guess the point is that it's not, there would be no culture war if it was just the, if the right were really the only participants mm -hmm. in it, because it would just be a, a cultural victory. There would be no contestation, right? For there, for there to be a, a battle around it, mm. there have to be two participants. Or a cultural damp squib. <laughs> <laughs> Not with a bang, but a cultural whimper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if you, you know, during the Somme, for example, if there hadn't right. been two lines of trenches, it would just be a couple of guys in a hole. On, a, be, on a walk? Just be dudes hanging out. <laughs> just, on a, on a, just be a great example of some men's mental health. Uh, just on a nice hike through couple Northern of, France. Yeah, a couple of madries. Absolutely. That'd be great. Me and yeah. the boys. Shooting some guns. Target prices. Do you think you'd be any good in war? No. no. Do you? Yes. In what role? On the phones. <laughs> Doing the Hitler's phones. bins. <laughs> hacking, hacking Hitler's voicemail. No, we'd obviously be in the propaganda department. Yeah, I think we actually would be very good at that. What are we doing right now, fellas? <laughs> yeah, true. Well, we're being Certainly paid. not fighting in the culture war, Ava. <laughs> we're being paid by the British Alliance. Whatever that acronym was. The people who did that poll. That did the polling. Yeah. That don't exist anywhere else. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. Nick Frost's pals. Mm. David Frost. Nick David Frost. Frost. Nick Frost is... Simon Pegg's friend. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, they're also... <laughs> Nick, they're in the Cornetto trilogy, believe it or not. Um, so the point is, nonetheless... That left-wing people are a participant in the culture war. Absolutely. And perhaps are slightly ignorant of their role in antagonizing their opponents who admittedly act in different ways and participate in this contestation differently. But nonetheless, they are sort of equal partners in it. Mm -hmm. And there's also as well, the le it's not even necessarily a left-wing versus right-wing thing. It's a left-wing versus other left-wing people thing as well. If you are... Well... I think the left compared to the right is much more sanctimonious, much more willing to criticise their own, but also to, but in much more kind of bloodthirsty ways. If you're not as liberal as I, if you're not as left-wing as I am, then you are scum. Like, you are as bad as a person who's a million miles away from me because you're not quite where I am. The example that um, I think which really illustrates this in John's new series is he interviews a journalist who used to work for The Intercept and he interviewed a man during the Black Lives Matter 
protests and he said he's so he's a, he's a black guy and he said why do people only care that people only care about black people dying when a white person kills a black kills a black person people don't care when black people kill black people he was like to, the guy was saying to him that is just as bad that's an endemic problem in our communities etc and it went super super viral but people on staff at the intercept were super critical of the journalist in question for even platforming that for sick accusing and he was he was accused of being racist himself for platforming it but then that's activism not journalism but that's 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 what he says it becomes like an intersection between he just talks about this a generation of journalists who view themselves as activists rather than journalists as well yeah but i think that's the same for the right as well really i know a lot of a lot of conservative journalists who do, truly do believe it, anti-immigration, well, anti-ULES. It's, it's like a long... It's a, it's a, it, there's a place for... Ronson says it in the clip. There's a place for activist journalism, right, in, mm-hmm. within journalism. And it's not just a, you know... People think the, the, the modern connotations of the word activist, they think that, that correlates to, like, the boys taking their Houthi hammers to the London Stock Exchange. <laughs> but actually... Um, it, it pertains to like campaigning journalism. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like identifying what you view as an injustice or something that you want to change in the world, and then pursuing a uh, pursuing an agenda of journalism to change that. The post office. Yeah, that'd be an yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah, it's bloody activists. Mm. Computer Weekly. Yeah. Taking that off. Yeah. Yeah. Computer Weekly. Those bloody left activists. Bloody lefties. <laughs> bloody lefties. Computer nerds. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so in, an interesting insight. So, so what was what was his point about the difference then between the right and the left when it comes to their participation in the culture war? I think it's more about when you think of right wing culture wars, you think of just big, bold brass. I think maybe, I think the suggestion is the left wing ones are actually harder to identify mm-hmm. and the less willing to admit it. Whereas like the, the right wing ones are Hillary Clinton is a paedophile in this Washington DC pizza parlor. No, because that's a mass, That's a huge spectrum, surely. Say that again. That's that's like the two extremes. Yeah, right? yeah, but as in, like, I, I don't, I do not think a left wing. What would I don't think there is, there has been, or there would be a left wing conspiracy theory as bold as that. Almost, it'd be more pernicious well, or a um, cult towards that. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel, steel beams. Is that is that an example of a left wing? People do genuinely believe that um, the twin towers. That was an inside job. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's that transcends the left right dynamic. Why does lizard Hillary Clinton not? Mm. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that. That's what, but the, no, I mean I'm talking about Pizzagate in particular. Yeah, right, I think Pizzagate is like a QAnon adjacent right wing conspiracy theory. I think maybe the conspiracy theory muddies the waters almost because it's thing you know things like I don't know. For me, the most illustrative examples of this are things like. Oh, they won't even sing um, Rule, Brit- Rule Britannia at the end of the proms anymore. Yes. Or, oh, they've stopped teaching Beowulf in uh, English, lit- English lit classes because it portrays like toxic masculinity or something like that. Um, and for me, those, those are sort of slightly more um, clear-cut examples because they're unmuddied by the additional layer, which I think you're both right to point out, which is that like whether it's jet fuel can't melt steel beams or QAnon, that there's a, there's an extra layer of complication there mm-hmm. introduced by the conspiracy theory, as opposed to a story that enables two competing versions of culture and for people to con- to, to debate and contest with each other on the basis of that, whether it's 
Um, and and so it, to, to Ronson's point, right, that the right prefers these sort of big lies. And admittedly, you know, um, whether or not they're teaching Beowulf at Sussex isn't necessarily like a, a, a grand scale lie. But you drill down into it, and it's just they've changed the curriculum. Yeah, it's it's not because they're actually you know it's not the DEI officer demanding Beowulf be yeah. removed. Exactly. Or the um, there was I can't remember what it was now, but there was some reason, wasn't there, why they didn't why they didn't sing Royal Britannia? It wasn't. It was it was, it was the conductor decided that for it was it was like a musical choice, yeah, rather so, than anything. Yeah, something like Stylistic. that. Stylistic. Yeah, I was like, well, it, it would be interesting. Would it be interesting to just have the orchestra the orchestra play it? No, they hate Britain now. Didn't everyone sing in the end? Oh, really? That's, I swear there was like an audience that's singing good. or something like that. Do do we think the culture wars will work? Still, do you think they are working? But as in, do you think politicians will lean into them? Yes. Yes. Immigration is a culture war. Yeah. There's um, there's like a stat that's going around, which is half of all um. Oh yeah. Social housing is taken up by immigrants, and that, despite being disproved multiple times, is repeated as fact, verbatim. A couple of um right wing grifters have been repeating this on well one on GB News and then one just on Twitter, and. Both of them have been relentlessly sort of um, disproven, right? They keep they keep parroting this this stat, saying that it's like um, that only a very small percentage of Britons inhabit these houses. But what the implication is is that people who are um, non-white British, i.e., people who are born abroad but are now British citizens, mm. don't count as British people, mm. and and therefore that's how the, the, the statistic ends up being that it's less than half of who people are, who in these houses are, are Brits. Um, and yeah, that's like a, that's like a key people are, people are arguing about now and projecting about it and using, using it as a story to sort of project their values across and over. I think politicians will lean into it. And, and if, you know, I mean, I know we talk about it like semi-regularly, but Lee Anderson, right, in that interview where he says, you know, 2019, we had um, Brexit, Boris and Corbyn, it made a good campaign. We don't have any of those things now, yeah. so what will it be? Oh, it'll probably be some combination of trans rights and, and something else. Look yeah. at what they're doing to Sadiq Khan at the moment. Sadiq Khan's uh, Londonistan, <laughs> how everything is his fault. Yeah. And, um, you know, how he's to blame for the Met Police going soft and all sorts. Um, the campaign against anti-Semitism put out a pretty abominable video about him yesterday. Welcome really? to Sadiq Khan's London. It was really ugly. I haven't seen it. Mm, it's it. really bad. I wonder if, I think immigration is maybe the one that escapes this, but if for the general election, Rishi Sunak stands on a debate, in a debate against Keir Starmer and just bangs on about trans rights, Keir Starmer doesn't know what a woman is, I think people are savvy enough to recognise what, what their current life is like, how the country has been degraded over, over the past 13 years and who is to blame. No, but he will do that, but that's like... That's the sprinkle of the top of the cake, right? The mm -hmm. cake the cake is baked on um, immigrants are coming over here and they've taken your jobs and now yeah. you can't get a house anywhere and yeah. that's why you're poor, right? And then, like, the like that's the sprinkles, the trans stuff. There's also, like, evangelic, evangelicism. What? No. Evangelicism. Evangelism, ev evangelism, evangelism. Is, is, like, the middle layer, right? That's, like, the jam in the middle there. Oh, young people, they hate you. They won't have babies. And they are the reason that your grandmother can't get an NHS appointment somehow. And then, like, the next bit of sponge <laughs> is all the people who don't feel like they're being paid fairly 
Um, just so I can be. picture this in my head properly, is this a Victoria sponge? Is that what we're I think that would be like the most mm. natural yeah. cake. <laughs> but it's made a good English cake. I um, think so. Mm. I think so. But what I'm saying is that's all that the, the trans the trans stuff is just like that's just a little bit of spice. That's just a little sprinkle on the it's top that he can on goes the top of the cake. Doesn't. Yeah, it's iced, and in icing he's written, "Can a woman have a penis?" Yes. Question mark. Nice. Then the smaller icing. <laughs> Kirsten Dahmer says no. <laughs> it's a poorly designed cake, to be honest with you. And under yeah, the sponge is all him saying like, is him pointing at NHS doctors and immigrants and saying they've taken your money. <laughs> The thing, and then Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang are lifting it into the oven. <laughs> the thing for me is, like, the salience of, of immigration particularly has massively decreased since 2016, right? If you look at the polling um, for, the, for the 2015 general election, for every single group in the country, if you, number one political priority, whether it's by region, gender, um, income, ethnicity, is immigration. That is no longer the case. Now, if you look at those same groups, what their number one political priority is, it is either the economy or inflation. Mm. And there is one group for whom it, immigration remains the single most political, important priority. Can you guess who it is? Tell them who it is, Ollie. It's the over 65s, Ava. <laughs> and so whilst that, that works to a certain extent and provokes, like, Rishi Sunak is sort of hardening a, a, a slightly more extreme right anti-immigrant base... Everyone else that's like, my savings have, have my, my mortgage has been um, decimated by interest rate hikes. Um, my food shop now costs me 20 quid more than it did two years ago. I, I, think, I think you're sort of right that when, if and when that conservative campaign, they'll do the, they'll do, they will obviously do the Keir Starmer doesn't know what a woman is stuff and Labour Party would be idiots if they didn't expect that. But if that doesn't, sit alongside some kind of competent vision for the economy, I don't see it I don't see it working. But then you see the Conservative reaction to that polling today where that model said that the Tories are just going to get battered. And you did a lot of Tories... That was the Telegraph headline. <laughs> the Tories are going to get fucking battered, Marked, by the way. Yeah. Um, but they think they seem to think the takeaway is they're not being right-wing enough. That, they're like, that's that the, is that's cultural, the lesson. though. Yeah, no, no, completely. I, but yeah. Like Lee Anderson declaring that he's going to resign as deputy chairman of the party if, um, you know, they, they don't toughen up the Rwanda rules, mm. if you don't leave the ECHR or tell Strasbourg to fuck off or whatever he wants us to do. That is pure culture war because that is not helpful to the argument. If, you're, if your argument is truly, we don't like that people are being people smuggled over the channel... The reaction to that is not to go, we're leaving Strasbourg or I'm leaving the party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if if Isaac Levido or any of those guys are watching the pod and they think that's the lesson to take, then you're onto one there. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Absolutely, sir. You, I, I would be terrified if you guys became more right wing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can you even imagine? I think they'd take every single I seat. think they'd take six. It'd be 650 nil. Even Northern Ireland. Even they would, Northern they Ireland. would take the Northern Irish seats. It feels sort of synthetic right wing what they're becoming though, right? It doesn't feel like... There's, there's no courage in it. There's no convictions. The, exactly it's, that. It's a pastiche of like some sort of 20-year-old, the worst kind of student's dream. That's what it is. Like if you're going to go full Mussolini, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? March. Have a march. Where's your paramilitary? Yeah. 
We should encourage the Conservative Party to develop a paramilitary. Oh, I haven't seized control of the Reichstag yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Would you vote for them if they made the trains run on time? Um, can you leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> would you vote for the fascist party? Yeah, would I vote for a fascist if... I don't take the train, I cycle, so... So actually wouldn't have, no, wouldn't have any bearing on Ava's vote. She'd vote for them for different reasons, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the train thing would have nothing to do with it. Ed, would you democratically enable a fascist state? No. Would you? Depends what was an offer. What's an offer? A slightly later starting LBC show. Yeah, I'll propagandise. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get up at 2am, not 1am. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That extra hour of sleep makes all the difference, baby. Absolutely. Um, I will be at the cultural vanguard for you, Bonito. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting the king on his behalf. More culture war, I would argue, is what they're trying what some whispers in the party want to do, which is move Sunak out of the way and move another person into position. They should the do election. that. Again, if, Isaac, you, if you're listening, <laughs> this give it is a go. Gold. <laughs> this is absolutely, this will win you the election. Because all of that is, none of that is actually about policy, right? It's all, none of that, it's all about keeping your seat by putting up a show, putting on a show, mm -hmm. right? If, if another MP, Tory MP can stand up and lie better than Rishi Sunak to the public, they might win a few seats. They're on track to lose, sorry, Labour are on track to win 196 seats at the next election. If, according to this YouGov poll that came out in the Telegraph piece that you're talking about, that would be a bigger landslide than John Major losing in 97 when he lost 178, mm. I think it was, seats or something like that. The biggest the biggest gain since like the turn of the 20, mm. 20th century. Um, and then I kind of love that reform are sort of just like bubbling away in the corner. So, so there's 90 late nineties number of seats that reform will be standing in that will, if they stand there, the seat will go to labor. Nice. Interesting. That's just, that's just, that's quite cool to be able to do that. They, they, they have, okay, cool. That was really shit. Ignore that. Sorry, I'm tired. That was, <laughs> that's very interesting. I'm powerful. Fuck off. <laughs> um, no, but you're, you've got, you're basically like, kind of like Geppetto, right? With mm, Pinocchio. Maker, yeah. Because you can control the entire election. You're just fucking with the Tories, basically. You're splitting the right wing vote. Yeah. You could haul out your candidates at the last second, the last minute. Farage goes, turn around, boys, we're getting out of here. We're not marching on London anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the fascist party can wait. Do you think Nigel Farage, if he were to run for mayor of London, would he win it? No. Why not? Yes. You'd win. Why? I do think he would win. I want to hear why not first. Historic trends, I suppose. On what of him not London. running, not like winning before? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think as an, like a liberal Boris won it. Does liberal Farage win it? Does Farage in his current state win it? Um, the the voting electoral system as well encourages more. It's a more nuanced thing. I don't think you get many people with a second preference. It wouldn't be like you wouldn't vote Labour and Reform in that sense. 
I think you might because you might really not want to put Susan Hall in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Presumably, Farage just splits the Tory vote, of which there isn't that much anyway. I get really confused after putting my first choice. After that, I'm like, anyone. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you think he would win? Um. So, people. I think people misinterpret London as some kind of hotbed of metropolitan liberalism. Um, forgetting, I, I say forgetting. I've also forgotten the exact numbers, but let's let's just say. <laughs> Let's just say specifically that London voted 60% remain, 40% leave. I think it was narrower than that, actually, but let's just say for the sake of argument that it is. 40% of London voting leave is millions of people mm -hmm. who have an at least an interest or political sympathy with Nigel Farage. Now, I think you're probably, I think you hit, run into difficulty when we start talking about um, ethnic minorities, his positions on immigration and such. But I think as a right-wing figure, to contest uh, an election with Sadiq Khan, I think he would. I think he would poll better than Susan Hall for sure. Mm -hmm. I think he would finish above Susan Hall, uh, and I think he would actually pose. But Sadiq Khan has essentially walked. I mean, the last one was much closer than he was expecting it to be, right? But he has essentially walked these London mayoral contests so far, and I think um, Nigel would would give him a run for his money. That was also because I think Sean Bailey was an interesting candidate at the time. <laughs> 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 interesting candidate in what sense <laughs> say Sean Bailey's a fucking idiot without saying Sean Bailey's a fucking idiot remember, he's an interesting candidate remember when he did that video I can't remember what it was but it was like outside of the boundaries of London and he was like but it's really difficult for these guys to get to work in London <laughs> it's like well you've got no provision over they that they can't vote for you Sean <laughs> yeah but you know what slaps as well is that he's on the London Assembly so it's like that would be your can problem I, too can I tell you more what slaps when it comes to Sean Bailey who so clearly just wanted to fucking stand against Sadiq Khan lose it and then get put you know be, do his bit for the party and then get put forward for a safe oh, so, no he thought he was going to be for, for a safe uh, yeah maybe I mean there's, there's a, there's a was, degree of false confidence there. But nonetheless, if he had an ounce of realism, he would be hoping that he got trotted out to like a, you know, a deep sort of southeast Essex-coded part of southeast London like, like Beckenham or Bromley and just get one of those safe Tory yeah. seats. COVID hits. The election is delayed. He, he misses out on, on the 2019 general election as, um, and, and doesn't get to stand for a seat there. He then has to face the ignominy of losing to Sadiq Khan again. And in the intervening period, someone else who is also called Sean Bailey gets elected into Parliament for, for the Tories. That is not him. Yeah. I just fucking love that. Yeah, his life sucks. Both bald. I don't actually know what the MP Sean Bailey looks like. I in didn't my know head there was he's an MP bald, Sean Bailey. but maybe he's not. Pull that shit up. I've only, I'm, I'm just a fan of the original Sean Bailey. Okay, I actually, take some comfort in that. He's not bald at all. No. He is... He's he's got like a, a hairline that's well actually neither of you would envy it because you two actually have really good hairlines. That's really quiet. Did you? He <laughs> <laughs> caressed me. That's true. um, Sean too. Sean Hickey. Yeah. Good head of hair in that man. That's that's odd, that isn't it? That must be. A, can I just say I haven't felt right since you opened that fucking envelope. So the, the, the anthrax will do that to you. I am full of dust. Why did it come over my way and not Ed's way? Because I repel anthrax. What if I've that's made myself. me infertile now? God, that'd be, well, it'd be, oh. it'd be nigh on impossible to trace it back to that. Huh? It'd be nigh on impossible to trace it back to that. I don't think she was being serious. I wanted to engage. I didn't yeah, want also, to why are you so invested in my fertility? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We have to Ed, edit. stop bringing up Ava's fertility. <laughs> unprompted <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> We've had to edit it out the 30 times I've done it previously. <laughs> Once an episode. Um, 
It's the Politics Show cast. Can we talk about David Cameron? Please. So you might remember last week on Tuesday, David Cameron appeared in front of I don't the... remember Tuesday, actually. Well, I don't think you were here. I don't know, I've got no idea. Oh, you were, you were at your lunch. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> that R is the same R you do at the beginning of your Grantham video with Margaret Thatcher when you go, oh, a customer, and it's a police <laughs> officer. <laughs> Great knowledge of the Paul Joe Cannonaver. That video is burned into my brain. That video. Mostly because I remember the horror. I remember the horror in your eyes when you realise your flies are under. The for the whole video. The video in question is selling eggs next to the Thatcher statue. Mm. For the people who don't know that. Classic bit of Paul Joe content. Yeah, good, that. Really good. All of the colour left your face. Yeah. You were like... Some people thought that it was a bit. Because I was dressed in character, right? I was doing like an 80s wide boy selling mm -hmm. the eggs. And they thought that... Part of the character was that my flies were undone. <laughs> Ava made sure no one could have that impression by tweeting, no, 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 he's mortified. That was an accident. It's very good, though. Good vid. Post your L's. Absolutely. Back you, go, to you go back and reshoot it. <laughs> <laughs> right, back to Davcam. Yeah, go on. So, flies undone. He appears. Yeah, sorry, Ed, can you undo your flies for me? <laughs> David Cameron appeared in front of a select committee last Tuesday and he was asked. Um, a string of questions about Israel-Gaza. Specifically, is it right that Israel is allowed to turn off Gaza's access to water whenever it feels it would like to? Um, and he said, it's not very good that they do that. Um, I'd rather they didn't do that. And he was pressed and pushed on this question of, is that a breach of humanitarian law? And what he essentially said was... Um, it wouldn't be his place to, to say, right? So just play the clip. I don't think Israel regards itself as an occupying force, but whether that is correct, I would want to take legal advice because this comes to this issue about aid, where I think Israel needs to do more, a lot more, to get more aid into Gaza, which perhaps we can come on to. Now forgive me, we know that Israel does not consider itself to be an occupying yeah. power, but British law currently does consider Gaza to be an occupied power. Can you, uh, oh, sorry, an occupied territory. Can you just confirm that on the record? I, I, I don't know the precise legal definition of that. I'd have to go back and check. Philip? I think I'm, we all know I'm, that the Foreign Office does know what the official legal position is. I mean, we describe, we describe the territories as the occupied Palestinian territories, but oh, that's, that's a, a different question. That's a descriptor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We should give you the, a piece of written advice on the legal position. I think what the Chair's asking is, do we consider Gaza to be occupied militarily at the moment? Is that what you're getting at? I'm asking for the, Brit the British government's legal definition, whatever they consider to be the terminology of that you occupy, because as I understand it, there is no question that in law, under British law, and according to the UN Security Council relation 22334, on which we have based our legal position, Gaza is an occupied territory. Now, over the weekend, he was on Sky, and this is after... Um, they have been, with a coordinated attack with the US, they've been bombing in the Red Sea. Houthis have been bombing oil tankers anyway. Um, David Cameron's asked by Trevor Phillips, do you agree that the South African, with the South Africans, that Israel has a case to answer before the International Court of Justice, right? Now, suddenly, David Cameron has really decided on international law. Suddenly, he is a lawyer and he can actually answer questions. And, well, here's the clip. 
do you agree with the South Africans that Israel has a case to answer before the International Court of Justice? No, I absolutely don't. I think the South African action is is wrong. I think it's unhelpful. I think it shouldn't be happening. Now, of course, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but they are talking here about genocide. They're taking this um, case on, on the basis of genocide. And, you know, to prove that, you've got to improve, you've got to prove that there, there was intent. Now, you know, I take the view that, that Israel is acting in self-defense after the appalling attack on the 7th of October. But even if you take a different view to my view, um, to look at Israel, a democracy, a country with the rule of law, a country with armed forces that are committed to obeying the rule of law, it's to say that they have, that that country, that leadership, that armed forces, that they have the intent to commit genocide, I think that is nonsense. I think that's wrong. But, and I, 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 but I you can't know that. You can only judge on the basis of what they've done. Yeah, you can judge, you, you can judge though, on the basis of what they have done and how they've acted and why they're acting. And to say there's an intent to commit genocide, I do believe that's wrong. All right. Anyway, so I just think it's quite interesting that the Foreign Secretary went from not wanting to comment on international law to suddenly being so well-read on it and so in tune with it that he felt he could give a really decisive answer like that. We had a fair few days to do that, to do the law course. Do you think he did like a... An a intensive open university. Yeah. <laughs> International Relations Masters. Do you think the unifying thing between the two of them was that the first would have required him to accept that Israel was an occupying force, um, which is Britain's stated position, but one which he doesn't want to adopt because it would, de- it would defer from Britain's unwavering loyalty to Israel. And similarly, in rejecting the validity of the case in The Hague, he can still maintain his unerring support of Israel. So whether or not uh, the legal merits and his knowledge of either uh, is superseded by his desire to be uh, an ally and support Israel. Look, I can't answer that. I think that's a question for Davcam. <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting, Alicia Kearns, who was chair of that Defence Select Committee, did actually push him on that line that Britain's position is that Gaza is occupied. And even then, he was like, well, I don't know the detail <laughs> I would here. hate to say something about Britain's foreign policy. But it's quite extraordinary when you go back um, to 2011, his position, Cameron's position on Israel-Gaza was, was very, Israel is an occupier and um, they are cutting off supplies to Gaza regularly. And I don't like that. Um, something has changed. Something has changed. Interesting seeing... Um Interesting seeing him back out and about doing the interviewing rounds. Interesting seeing him under questioning uh, in a select committee as well, Mr. Mr. Cameron. I don't, I don't think he's as, as... He was viewed, right, as in 2010 and before as this sort of like ultra-modern, slick communicator, hotshot guy. I've got to be honest, I don't really see it. I, I, I see him in a select committee referring to uh, a drone attack on a British warship and calling it a hostile aviation thingy. You know, that's, that's not slick. But you know, but you know his colleagues should have um, backed him there. Like if you said something that stupid, I would then go into the next interview and I'd say, well, that was an aviation thingy. And, uh, <laughs> it's actually a foreign office <laughs> technical term. You know, I would back, maybe not you, I'd back you. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> would you guys back me? Uh, I feel your, your, your loyalty is fucking built on paper. We would undermine you uh, quite a lot. Yeah. Let's also if, talk about Greensill and David Cameron. So do you know that he was asked... Um, during an interview with Laura Koonsberg about Greensill. Yes. And he was specifically asked, how much money did you make from Greensill? Yes. 
And he said, I was a private citizen then, so I don't want to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) What's really interesting about that, we know exactly how much he raised for Alzheimer's. Mm. Now, why are you allowed to tell us how much you gave to charity, but you're not allowed to tell us how much you earned from Greensill Capital? Did Greensill do something wrong? Because the numbers would dwarf, one number would dwarf the other. Yeah, and it's all his Alzheimer's money. Uh, uh, but he's gone bankrupt. <laughs> from, from his accountant's to going, stop, stop giving all this cash I to Alzheimer's. Can't. I'm too generous. <laughs> his accountant thinks he's it's Alzheimer's. It's the big society. He's forgetting that he's donated money to Alzheimer's. That's what he was actually it. lobbying for during the Green Sill debacle. The big society or, or Alzheimer's. trying to lobby. He was, he was actually going, going, I've got no money. I've given it all. <laughs> To Alzheimer's. <laughs> That's what's going to come back. He's, he needs a job. The Department for Health has got to pay for some of this. <laughs> <laughs> they need to match at least some of my donations. Yeah. They need to, I need to be reimbursed. I've got the receipts. Did you, or did, did he lose them? Did you miss David Cameron? Not particularly. No. But I think it's quite an interesting throwback. It's, be quite, it's quite interesting seeing someone who was so of his time today. Mm. Be like, if what would what, what, like... John Major be like today, or like, uh, you never fucking shut up, mate. We know what he's like, yeah, I suppose. But any, any time they start talking about Brexit, wheel out John Major. Where's Heseltine? Is he still alive? Get him on Sky News. He has been out and about, Heseltine. Mm. You know what is so back though is Indy Sleaze. So it's quite right that David Cameron is back as foreign sec because Alexa Chung is so back, is she? No, but just like her I essence. Wish, I wish she was back. Her essence, she everyone's was. talking about her, you know. What is um, she up to these days? She still does um, fashion bits. She writes yeah. a Vogue every now and again, curates some bits. But she's mostly just going viral for her, for her knee socks era. For, I, I love when She was wearing monkeys. knee socks a lot. There, do you know what there is? There's that clip, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the pod before, of Cameron, and I think it's Sarkozy. <laughs> wearing knee socks. Yeah, and they've just successfully bombed Benghazi. And they're giving a speech in, I think, Liberty Square or Freedom Square or something oh, it's called. And they're both wearing knee socks. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> and the Arctic Monkeys are there. <laughs> they walk out to Mardi Bum. It's the last time he got played before he opened with Bristol 14 years ago. No, And they're like giving a speech basically after being like, yeah, we've successfully bombed your country. And there's like a crowd of several thousand people. I can't like cheering. And it's so of the time. Could you imagine... Rishi Sunak. I don't know. It's not necessarily completely analogous, but like, let's say after, let's let's say we escalate our bombing campaign in Yemen, and we fucking dispatch Sunak to Sardar or somewhere, and and he's like <laughs> there giving a speech, being like, "You will enjoy the fruits of capitalism. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> not too welcome dis- to the West, brothers. Not too dissimilar to that bizarre video that he posted, or number the Conservatives posted of him in Kiev when he was clapping on. When was it? Friday? What was he clapping? He'd gone over to Kiev and in Kiev they were thanking him. I guess he's in like... They gave him the freedom of Ukraine. Yeah. Oh, is that what was happening? He was getting getting the freedom of of Ukraine. Um, They're all in a... It's not worth much these days. That's not much freaking good. Well, no, I think we're looking for the freedom of Ukraine. I don't think they have that right now, right? They should stop giving it out to Western politicians. (laughs) They need to have short supply. (laughs) Yeah. If, if we've got the freedom of Ukraine, then... <laughs> give it back, Rishi. Yeah, we should, we should give that back to them. <laughs> Rishi. We've got it for safekeeping, so the Russians know, can't get it. That's a war on. You've got that in Danish. <laughs> you need to fly right back and give it. Does Zelensky know you have this? <laughs> You'll be so annoyed. Nice. 
that the end of the pod? Yes. I need your consent as well, over. Is this the end of the pod? Yeah. And mutually assured destruction. We've all got a big red button to... Honk. <laughs> what does your button sound like when you press it? Eva? <laughs> it doesn't. Does it make a noise? It doesn't. It doesn't no. I think we should trick. <laughs> Come on, press your button. No, there isn't one. I can see it. <laughs> press it. I mean, imagine if like me and Ollie just had buttons and there wasn't one for you. That'd be insane. Well, there isn't one. That's what I've been I complaining it. about. It's the gender pay gap. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, we can see your button. Press there it. There wasn't enough. Press your button. I don't have one. Where is the button? It's right in front you of you. press it, it if you can see it so clearly. That seems like an invasion of privacy. They're also t- they're also I press the button and um, <laughs> here it is. It's a pig colon. <laughs> That's Ollie why I didn't it. want to press it. If you... If we had a Patreon tier, one of them would be uh, a pig colon eating tier. Where if you get dinner enough money. We go for dinner and have on that together. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of French cuisine around here. I bet we could get a pig arsehole in here for Wednesday. <laughs> what was it called again? On douillette. Oh, I'm just going to get raw, no flavouring. Stick in the air fryer upstairs. Do you reckon quality chop house do it? Oh, it's right there, straight. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I think you get St. John or something. Nah, too French for St. John. Too French? Mm. Mm-hmm. But they're all about nose-to-tail cuisine. They are. And that's very much English nose-to-tail. Well, you could have an English pig. <laughs> There's that restaurant in Marlebone, isn't there? They only just steak frites. But if you turn oh, yeah. up and you give them the wink, they do bring you the pig <laughs> arsehole. <laughs> they take you into the back and there's a trough. <laughs> and you just get to eat a whole pig colon. What, like the human centipede? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a pig eating your arse at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and you cover your head so God can't see. <laughs> Enough. If you were to get home from work and go into your bedroom, and you weren't sure, but <laughs> under the covers, it appeared to be the case, but there was a pig... <laughs> A man behind the pig <laughs> eating the pig's ass. The pig's eating the bird. And Forbidden a, bird. And, and a pig behind the man eating his ass. <laughs> the, and the forbidden bird is flying around doing laps. <laughs> what would you do? Duck in. <laughs> room for a fourth one, fellas! Absolutely. Room for a little one. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Sorry, that's what you. Press your button again. That's the noise it makes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hello, Porky. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. He's, for those listening, Ed's gesturing as well. He's up there, like diving in. Diving in. Oh, it should be done. You've got to commit. I mean, <laughs> or smoking a cigarette afterwards. All four of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sharing a cigarette. I think, I think the pigs probably smoke Mally Reds, don't you? Do you reckon? Yeah, what, what did they smoke in um, Animal Farm? Pipes? Do they smoke an animal farm? Rothmans, probably. Dunhills. Yeah, I could see that. Me and Napoleon. <laughs> Rimming each other. Camels. <laughs> Cigarette breaks between. <laughs> They'd eaten each other's asses for so long that you could no longer tell which was man and which one's pig. <laughs> <laughs> All rimmers are born equal, but some rim more equally than others. <laughs> 
trying, I'm trying to find a way of getting the Shire horse involved, but I can't figure it out. <laughs> What's the Shire horse? He's like the big powerful animal that that fuck, when they um when the animal revolution starts, he's like the big strong boy. Well, he should be at the back then, shouldn't he? He's got to be behind Ed. He's got a fucking dumper truck on him. <laughs> you need two people. You fit your head inside. Is this illegal? <laughs> what, do you have sex you, with an animal? You detailing yeah. your technique for eating a horse's ass? <laughs> well, that's not illegal. I think doing it is illegal. Mister mm, Hands. <laughs> that's what I mean, though. What, like if you rimmed a pig? Yeah, yeah that's you illegal. Can't, yeah, that, you, you, can't, can't that. you can't interfere why with a pig like that. To, why are you allowed to eat? Like, I can't think what you've called it. You can eat it. Endmio or whatever it was. Endouillette. Endouillette. Why are you allowed to eat it? In your French restaurant, but, not but you can't rim a pig in there. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't come, you don't need me to explain that. <laughs> Maybe I do. <laughs> Tell Salad. I'm going to go down to Hackney City Farm and have an unbelievable afternoon. I have no good memories. I, I am always. You should, you should try doing what Ed does when he goes there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, much yeah. better time. I'm not allowed back. No, I'm just always hungover when I'm there and there's always animals there. And I, every time I think, why the fuck have I come here mm -hmm. again? Ed's rimming the animals. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the thumbnail for this episode will be? <laughs> um, you getting your arse eaten by a pig. Luckily, you walked in at the beginning, so we do actually have a shot. It can be as if I've, I've walked in to my room under the covers. There appears to be Ed and two pigs. I don't know what's going on. What does the forbidden bird look like? We'll get that in there as well. I don't know. How do I look it up? Do I type in the forbidden bird? For, please. Well, I would like to see what that Google search yields regardless. But forbidden bird. <laughs> a phoenix. It's come up. What is the forbidden bird? This is a real thing. You're not going to fucking believe it. It's only brought it up. Traditionally, diners cover their head with a napkin or a towel while eating the delicacy. Wait, is it actually called the forbidden bird? That was a joke. What is the forbidden bird? And it's come up with. Look, literally, what is the forbidden bird? The Ortolan. Bunting. The Eurasian bird Ortolan. in the bunting family. Bunting. A passerine family, now separated by most modern scholars from the finches. It's good to keep up with bird facts. Are you across the scholarship on the separation? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually more of a traditionalist of finch scholarship. No, they're just not breeding in France at all. Oh, they are at the bottom of France. Because <laughs> they keep being made to participate in big human-based orgies, <laughs> and they've had enough. They fly south for winter, am I right, boys? Absolutely. Am I right? <laughs> I think we were done, I think, I yeah, think we we're were done about half an hour ago. Yeah, I'm not sure this is just for us. They've not been I love, you know, like the media monitor people who work for both political parties. Mm. Yeah. I do, I know exactly who it is for one of the parties. And sometimes he does message me every now and again to say, could you get to the bit that I have to like write notes on? Because <laughs> sometimes I'm writing notes and you've been talking about fingering for 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I think if the Conservatives run a campaign against the inhumane practice of rimming pigs, they'd win a landslide election. That animal rights stuff is that does like, play, is that though. A, what is that? An, was it 2017 when there was that Facebook petition about Ivory that accrued like millions of signatures? I don't remember that. Oh, what was his name, the other guy who then disappeared? What was the guy 
You'll know. You know who I mean. Co. Kofi. Kofi Annan. Stop calling. Joseph Coney. Joseph Coney. What? I don't understand how that pertains to this conversation. That got wildly out of control. Online. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the man who founded it was arrested masturbating on a highway. Would have been fine if he'd had a pig with him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've got to we call it. We need to stop, yeah. <laughs> Joseph Coney would be out of power <laughs> then. You done? Yeah, you. You done? I yeah. think so. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Politics Joe podcast. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>